Well, this morning we are going to be, um, we, we've changed things up just a little bit. We've shortened the front end of worship and we're going to extend the back end of worship. Uh, because this morning what we are going to be doing is, well, I don't want to give it all away. So um, we are going to give you plenty of opportunity, uh, extended time at the end to respond. And so this morning as as I'm speaking, as I'm sharing God's word, as, as we wrestle through scripture together, I really want you to uh, be listening to what God is saying to how you need to respond. Uh, that's really the purpose of, of uh, my preaching is it's not just for information. It affects us in such a way that uh, God says, respond. Do something. Don't just fill up your mind, puff yourself up with more knowledge. There's a response that God is asking each one of us to respond to. So this morning, we're going to be walking in uh, Acts chapter 19. So grab a Bible if you have your own. I don't know what page number it is. If you grabbed one of ours, it's on page uh, 928, Acts chapter 19. And then um, we're going to turn a little to the left a little bit later on to Acts chapter 2. Um, all right, are we ready? Give you a second. Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into then what were you baptized? And he said, they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. This is the word of the Lord. Paul asked a very uncomfortable question. And as I, as I wrestled through this this, uh, this past week, it was a, a, an uncomfortable question for me. Because as I, I pray through names of people, as I look over the crowd, it's a question that, that I really have to wrestle with. And God just really has been kind of working on my heart. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? If I would ask most people in this room, um, tell me about your uh, husbands. Tell me about your relationship with your wife. Tell me about what, what goes on. Most, most men would kind of go, oh, well, she makes a, a great casserole. Um, we hang out. We, we kind of share these, these activities. If I ask the wife, the wife would go, oh, 
let me tell you about our relationship, about the time he proposed to me. You know, he, he's kind of quirky, but you know what? He really means his best. And, uh, and he kind of, the women just really, oh yeah, I'll tell you about this relationship. It's just really sweet. And there's even people in our church where I go, oh my gosh, their relationship, just watching them, you just go, you get it. I love watching Brian and Aaron Scott. And those of you who've known them for a short little bit, this isn't meant to embarrass you at all. This is, this is flattering. You watch these two walk up uh, when we were at Camp Manitoba or when we're here or when they're around each other. There is just this glow about being with each other. Part of it is, how long have you guys been married? A year and a half. So it's really fresh and exciting. You know, some of us who have been married longer go, oh, just wait. Yeah. You know, but, but the reality is that is what God desires. There is just this, oh, strong, passionate, life-changing. It's not just a, yeah, we're married, kind of factual kind of thing. There is just this, oh, I love this relationship, and something has happened to me that God has blessed me with the person that I'm married to. And it is beautiful, and I would do nothing without this person. And Paul is asking this question in not just a factual sense. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Yep, I got it. Check. Next. Move on. He's saying, no, 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 no. This is a far deeper, more meaningful question Because apparently, as he was with these guys in in Ephesus, something wasn't clicking. Something wasn't, maybe they, just a discussion, and there there was nothing, there was no passion, there was no desire to just grow. There was no, there was something that was missing. So Paul asked that awkward question, disciples, did you notice that there was the word in there? They were disciples, didn't say of whom, but they were disciples, and he goes, Did you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? And and they all go, we didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. Well, what baptism did you receive? Well, we received the baptism of John, John the Baptist. And, And basically what the baptism of John the Baptist was, John was the forerunner of Jesus saying, I'm preparing a way. Make way. Prepare your hearts. The Messiah is coming. The one who is going to save Israel. Who's going to save all of you. The Jews. The Gentiles. Those. Whoever's heart is warmed. He's coming. So repent. Prepare your heart. And Paul goes, well, that's good. But the one that he said to prepare your heart for has come. And it's Jesus Christ. And I'm sure, knowing Paul, if you, if you read his writings in the New Testament, he had a long conversation about this Jesus Christ. Listen, I was on the road to Damascus, and the sky opened up, and I heard the voice of Jesus. In fact, I was blind for a number of days. And my interaction with that man with that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has changed me eternally. Jesus Christ came so that we would not be objects of wrath, but we would be adopted children of the King. 
And He has come to give us life and life to the fullest degree. And then beyond that measure. That is the Christ. That is the one that John baptized you into. But let me tell you, there is another baptism. Receiving the Holy Spirit. And he goes on. Hearing it. Hearing this good news. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. And what did it say? When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. As their faith was placed in Jesus Christ, as they received the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit came as well. Now in some charismatic circles, well, obviously here they... The gift of the Holy Spirit came on them. And then automatically what happens? Tongues and prophecies. Well, that's... If you look... Now flip to your, your left a little bit. Turn to Acts chapter 2. And this is where, really where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. Acts chapter 2 is that, that famous Pentecost story. That famous Pentecost reality. And that's really the thing that we have, have really got to come to understand. That in this, this section, in the, chat, or the book of Acts, Luke is, is saying, listen. Receiving the Holy Spirit is a real experience. It is a real experience. There are marks of it in your life. And the best way to test the faith of these so-called disciples, what did Paul do? Was to ask them about their experience with the Holy Spirit. So if I would, if I would ask any of you here, what is your experience with the Holy Spirit? You should be able to say, Paul, let me tell you about my experience with the Holy Spirit. It, it is this. And then you just lay it out. This is, this is my experience. And I'm going to tell you, my experience is true because look at the fruit in my life. God has been faithful. Look, you know, look at Galatians chapter 5. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And there, there's these grace gifts that have been poured out on me and I use them for the sake of the kingdom. On top of that, there's this special, I, I can't explain, but there's special power that has been gifted to me that I cannot explain. I'm not talking about superhuman strength, put on my cape and go flying out the door, but there's this power that is within me that I cannot explain. For some reason, I can put to death sin in my life. Issues in my life that are keeping me separated from the true joy that's found in Jesus Christ. And you know what? When I was in the flesh, when I was not a believer in Jesus Christ, that was impossible. I struggled with pornography all my life. I struggled with lust all my life. I struggled with being selfish all my life. But for some reason, there is this power in my life that says, you know what? It's put to death. And the only way that I can explain it it's because I've placed faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, the power of the Holy Spirit resides within me. So the Holy Spirit, the truth is the gift of the Holy Spirit is a real life-changing experience. It's not just a bunch of ideas. It's not just a bunch of ideas or facts. And men, I, I think you need to hear this. 
It's not about just facts and ideas. It is a life-changing experience that is ongoing. And it does something to your life where you will never be the same again. So, Acts chapter 2. This was after the upper room experience where uh, the tongues of fire came upon them and they started speaking, uh, speaking in languages that were just from all over, all over. And then Peter stands up. And this is in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the twelve, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ears to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. In other words, it's it's about nine o'clock in the morning. That's ridiculous. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I shall pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young women shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I shall show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Talk about God's sovereignty. God knew this was his plan. This Jesus delivered up to you according delivered up according to the definite plan and knowledge of God, was crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My heart also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let the Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You have made me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about our patriarch David, That he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us here to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus. God raised up. And of that we are all witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received the Father, 
from the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, He, Jesus, poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they, the crowd heard this, they were cut to the heart. I said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you, listen to this, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far, far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received His words were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Something happened here. Just like in Acts chapter 19. Something powerful happened. In the hearts of these men and women. And it is a real life-changing, life-altering experience. If I would just do a poll this morning, for because I'm sure this room is filled with people who have been Christians from their youngest years that they can remember, and some of you have been more recent. But if I would poll this room and just say, tell me of your experience with the Holy Spirit. I'm sure it will get some long, quiet sermon time. But Paul says, and it's a fact. Did you receive the Spirit when you were believed? Did you receive the Spirit when you believed? And if we look here in Acts chapter 2, there are two things that just characterize, and you see it throughout the, the, the book of Acts, that characterize this experience. And the first thing that we see is, number one, a heart of praise. Something happened. And we see this in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 46. The disciples knew the Holy Spirit had fallen on them because here's, here's Acts 10, 46. They heard them speaking in tongues and extolling or magnifying God. Immediately, what happens to the human heart when you receive the gift of, of the Holy Spirit? You magnify God. 
with all that you are, all that you do, every word, everything about you says, oh, great is our God. The song that we just sang, if there is not something in it that just warms your heart and almost drives you to tears, I wonder, I wonder if you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or if there is something that is impeding your joy. Because naturally, one of the things that happens is it transforms your heart and your praise and your adoration moves off of you, moves off of your wife, moves off of your kids, moves off your job, moves off this world, and it moves your object of adoration goes to God. How great is our God. Come on, sing with me. How great is our God. And all will sing, how great is our God. You're the name above all names. Jesus, my heart longs for you. My heart longs for this relationship. On Tuesday... We had our second Tuesday prayer. And I'll tell you, I loved it. It was absolutely sweet. It was sweet. Asking God created me a a right heart, renew my spirit within me. Cast me not uh, away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of my salvation. A spirit-filled person has deep joy and worship for God. They make much of what God has done in their life. That's why, I'll be honest, I love my church. I love you guys. But my prayer is that in our time of corporate singing, our corporate worship, that our heart extols God, magnifies God. And I, I know that I ride, ride on guys a lot, but guys, my prayer is especially for you. There's a certain wiring in women that they are just tender, loving. <sighs> look, at, look in the marriage. Who is generally the most tender and compassionate I'll just say, look at my marriage. It's my wife. I am the factual. Get this done. This is the way we function. This is the way we do it. Paul, I just want you to listen to me. I just want you to sit near me. I just want you to enjoy our time. And men, my prayer for you is this, that we have Hearts of praise. I don't care if you cannot carry a note. Okay? I don't care how well you think you can or cannot sing. It's not about what comes out. It's about your heart of praise. 
If we are spirit filled and we've received the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he's dwelling in in us and he is reminding us constantly of Jesus Christ and the work that he's done for us and that he has poured out his grace. And therefore, we changes the way we perceive everything. Man, it should change your heart and how you sing off key on key. I don't care. It just changes you in such a way that, man, I will sing out and magnify God with my voice. I will worship God in such a way that I will even shed tears. And God forbid, be emotional. Now women, you're not off the hook either. Whatever I said, same's true with you. May our hearts be so warmed that we cannot help but respond in our times of singing. Read the Psalms. The other thing that happens, the other thing that happens that is just absolutely clear is that when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are marked with obedience. In Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles say to the Sadducees who, were, who had arrested them, we must obey God rather than men. And then in verse 32, he said, we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit in whom God gave to those who are obeying Him. We are witnesses to these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God gave, past tense, to those who are present tense and ongoing tense, obeying Him. It's inevitable that when the object of your heart's worship changes, your obedience changes. Your desires change. When Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and infuses you with a new sense of the glory of God, you have a new desire and a new power to obey. When when your worship moves off of you and moves to God and you are just enjoying Him because He satisfies everything sickness or in health, riches or poverty, your greatest joy is found in Him and what He gives to you through Jesus Christ. When you you receive that and you are satisfied deeply in Him, what happens? You are moved to obedience. Whether or not you speak in tongues, these two things will be your experience if you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. A new desire to magnify God in worship. And two, a powerful disposition. A powerful disposition to obey God in your everyday life. There's there's not a sector of your life There's not one sector of your life that is not impacted. 
your private, your public, everything has been impacted. And it moves you to obedience. You even see that, you know, move to uh, Matthew 28. Matthew 28, you get to the very end. 28.16, 8.35 if you've got a pew Bible. Now the eleven disciples went into Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they what did they do? They worshipped Him. They worshipped Him. And, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. True disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Obedience is a natural thing. And we are commanded to teach towards obedience. That's why I have no problem teaching about some of the hard things. Tithing. Giving. Generosity. How the church should function. How we interact with one another. The need, the deep need for repentance. All these areas. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So Peter's instructions for how to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit are found in 32-38-41. The first thing is true. And it's an absolute must. The Word of God has got to be heard. The Word of God has got to be heard. Paul preached that in God's plan, Jesus was crucified, that He was raised and exalted as Lord over the entire universe. And that forgiveness of sin and spiritual renewal can be found only in Him. The Word has got to be heard. The Word of God has got to be, it it has got to be preached, it's got to be shared for people to receive the gift. You have got to hear it. You've got to hear the good news. So for me, that, that, that moves me to a point of, man, I've got to do something, to a point of frustration. Because you know what? Outside these doors, even here among us, there is a very good chance that someone has not responded to the good news of Jesus Christ. You've got facts, you've got ideas, you've got thoughts. I know about Christianity, I know about the church. God forbid I don't want to be a part of those people. But you know what? The good news has got to go out. It has got to be preached. It has got to be shared. And you know what? He says here in Matthew 28, Go therefore, you, in your going, make disciples of all nations. So my question for you, those of you who who are spirit-filled, who are believers in Jesus Christ, are you sharing the Word of God with other people? And I'm not just talking about casually. Oh, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian. 
yeah, you want to just come to church with me sometime? I, I'm, I'm talking about, do you believe that this has changed your life in such a way that you are compelled because of the joy that you have in Jesus Christ to share the good news of Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about that you've got to hand out tracts or beat people over the head with a bat. You can do it graciously and lovingly, knowing their circumstances and their place in life and listening to their story and say, ah, yeah, that's a great story. Let me share my story. Let me tell you about God's story. The plan of redemption. Where ultimate hope and joy and healing is found. So step number one, Peter preached the word. Number two, it's found in verse 39. The sovereign God must call men and women to himself or they will never come. Verse 39, the promise is to you and to your children and all that are far off. Everyone whom the Lord, our God, calls to him. You cannot make yourself alive any more than a dead person can resurrect him or herself. I've never seen a morgue where all of a sudden a body grabs the two things and puts it on and goes, clear! And revives him or herself. Dead. It is God that warms the heart, that calls men and women to Himself. So God, is this, first the Gospel message has got to be preached, it's got to be shared, and it is ultimately God who revives and calls us in such a way that We have to respond. Which is third. Third, we must receive the word. Verse 41 said, So those who received his word were baptized. They received it. Receiving the word means that it becomes a part of you so that you trust in the Christ that is presented. You trust his provision for forgiveness. You trust His path. His path for your life. You trust in His power to help you obey. You trust in the promises. His promises for your future. And that radical, that radical commitment to Christ always, always, always involves repentance. A turning. A turning away from yourself your wants, your needs. And turn it to Christ. And when you really turn to Christ for new paths and new power, you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit because it is by His Spirit that Christ guides and empowers. And the fourth thing, we must express faith through baptism. We must give an open expression of our faith in the act of water baptism in obedience to Jesus Christ. And that's quite a problem that they had here, wasn't it? 3,000 responded. They were cut to the heart in such a way 
So what do we do? What do we do, Peter? What do we do? Repent. Receive the Word. Turn from your ways. And receive baptism as an outward sign of an inward reality. In a little bit, we're going to participate in communion, which is another one of the sacraments of the church of an outward picture of an inward reality. And the Lord's Supper, communion, is open to whoever believes in their heart, confesses with their mouth, who has received the Word. This meal is going to be open to all those. Those who have true faith in Jesus Christ. Not just head knowledge. I've checked these things off. But whose heart is marked the presence of the Spirit. But I've got to ask a question before we move to this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Receiving the Holy Spirit is an experience and it's a divine reality. It's not just an idea about our spiritual condition that we infer from a decision that we made at one time. It is supernatural. Can you answer? Or how would you answer? Did you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when you believed? Maybe you can say, yes, I have seen the spirit of obedience at work in my life, subduing sin and inclining me to acts of agape love. I am just moved to just acts of love and forgiveness that are just supernatural. I cannot explain it. Those who have caused pain, those who are just odd and divisive, you know, I, I forgive and I love as Christ has loved me. And I cannot explain it. It is an act of the Spirit. Or maybe you say, yes, I have seen the Spirit of praise in my life filling my heart and my mouth with worship to Jesus Christ and to God the Father and adoring the Spirit's work in my life. Man, I'll tell you, I enjoy God. I enjoy, I relish my time with God. And I am so hypersensitive to his movement in my life that there are moments where I cannot move to the left or to the right because I am just so surrounded by his presence. So yeah, I have received the Spirit when I believed. Maybe you can say, I've seen the Spirit of courage at work in my life, overcoming fears and giving me a willing heart to risk things for the cause of Christ. I am willing. 
because of what the Spirit of God has done in me and is doing in me, I am willing to obey in my public school setting. I am willing to obey in, in my, my university setting. I am willing to obey Him and take steps of risk for the cause of Jesus Christ and seeing His kingdom just explode in my workplace, in my marriage, in my life. I am willing to do that. And I can't explain it other than it is God empowering me through the work of His Spirit. Maybe you are saying, yes, even though that uh, speaking in tongues and the gift of prophecy are no sure sign of God's grace, yet together with other evidences, they are too precious of an evidence that, that the power of God is on me. So maybe that's where some of you are. But if you can't answer that question in the affirmative. Maybe there's a gajillion reasons, but I'll place three before you this morning. Maybe you have not believed and you need to this morning. Maybe this morning you need to respond. Maybe the Holy Spirit is God has been calling you this morning through friendships, relationships, people all around you, and He is calling you. And this morning, you need to receive the Word of Christ and believe and trust in Him for salvation. Maybe that's one. Second one is maybe for some reason... Maybe for some reason, I can't explain exactly why, but there has been a delay or a blockage in the manifestation of God's power in your life. And you need to seek His fullness in prayer. Maybe, maybe you are just lacking true joy and enjoying the power of the Holy Spirit in your life courage and all these things that we've been talking you've been lacking that and you're going why god you know i believe in you and i trust in you but i don't have that fullness in my life maybe you need to pray with somebody this morning and nathan and i or katie are going to be available to pray with you maybe there is a sin issue in your life that is so deeply embedded and so so much that you want to kind of keep it down under and hide it behind a bunch of padlocked doors. Maybe that is the issue. That is the blockage that is stopping you from enjoying God's full measure in your life. And maybe the third reason, and I'm sure there's more. Maybe the third reason is this. Maybe the Holy Spirit is doing more in your life than you realize. But you have never been taught to recognize what is the work of God. Instead, you just kind of say, "Eh, well, you wouldn't believe what happened today. Oh my gosh, yeah, well, I am so lucky. Do you realize that that is the work of God in your life? And you have just, it's happenstance. It just so happened that this happened. Maybe you've received, but you are so, the world has blinded you 
and you don't recognize the Spirit is orchestrating these things in your life. So the answer is not a yes, a no, or a maybe. It's either yes or no. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Yes. No. And as we come to communion, where we're discerning the body of Christ, His work, I don't want you to rush here. I don't want you to rush too quickly and say, well, it's the communion time. I've got to start taking. All right, yep, put, put a little money in for benevolence. Okay, I do my thing. Go sit. Go gather my kids. I want you to sit. And if you look at the time, this is absolutely amazing. It is 11.05. And for most of you at Missy O'Day, you know what I'm talking about. Usually it's like 11.40 when I'm done preaching. This morning, I want you to sit and maybe it's sit awkwardly. I want you to pray. And maybe pray with somebody else. My prayer for us as a church is that we are Spirit-filled. That we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power that comes with that. That we become, as a church and as individuals, a city on a hill that shines out. Not for our own sake and not our own light, but the light of Christ. So this morning, I urge you to pray as as our service closes. Declare your faith to be the Lord's, a gift from God. Ask for a release and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life and ask for the ability to discern the Spirit's work. The worship team is going to come on up and they're going to lead us during this time of communion in worship. I'm going to be available in the back. Nathan's going to be available in the back. Katie's going to be available in the back. Katie, would you just... Nathan, would you just... If you need somebody to pray with you, and it doesn't have to be us, grab somebody around you. Please. Join us in prayer. And when your heart is ready, however long that is, and maybe the band's got to be creative and do a couple extra songs, three more songs, or do the chorus 12 times. When your heart is ready, you've recognized your sins, you have repented of them, come for communion. And may our worship extol God we're obedient to Him. Let's pray.